Welcome to another episode of the Loving Life After Loss podcast. I am your host, Marie Alessi. Today, I've got the absolute honor to introduce to you Jennifer Matthews. Jennifer is joining us for our very first Up Spiral Grief interview. And I'm really stoked to bring this not just into the group Loving Life After Loss, but we really want to share this message with the world. Uh, Jennifer and I are quite aligned with the idea of bringing a bit more positivity into grief. We will be talking about that. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for being my first guest on this Up Spiral Grief show. And I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the audience. Tell us a bit, little bit about yourself, please. Sure. Thank you so much, Marie. Let's see a little bit about myself. Um, well, I live in Mount Shasta, California. I'm from the East Coast of the U.S. originally. And um, I've had kind of an eclectic experience of getting myself to work on these issues around death and dying and grief and yeah. joy over the years. But, but the thread has really been social transformation for me. Mm -hmm. So whether I was working on economic policy years ago, I taught laughter yoga for a yeah. number of years, and now the death and dying field, um, it seems very like they're very different kinds of things. But really, there's this thread of how can we really look at what our culture expects of us mm. and the messages that we get and be able to own for ourselves our own experiences. Yeah. So yeah. for me, coming to this particular topic um, really is from that, from that place yeah. of wanting to make a difference by having conversations, by exploring our own experiences and ideas and messages. Yeah. Would you like me to launch into so how I came to this? Before, before we do that, because I'd love for you mm -hmm. to launch into this, but before we do mm -hmm. that, I actually want to quickly share with our audience um, how I came across you mm -hmm. and what sparked my interest to actually connect with you. And um, yeah, so I'm just going to launch straight into that story and then I'll, I'll give it back mm -hmm. to you. So basically, um, you know, I only just started Loving Life After Loss less than a year ago and uh, people started sending me messages that they found that had anything to do with grief, in particular when it was positive because they knew my approach to grief was very much um, around the whole sense of allowing joy and happiness back into your life and not getting stuck in the I have to grieve forever or that's exactly what you what you just said before you know these expectations that society put on us and we will talk about that in a minute uh, but one of my friends actually sent me the link to your TED talk and she's like, mm -hmm. you got to see this. This lady is just like you. And she's got all these ideas around joy. And, and you so need to watch this. So um, I clicked on it. And I have to admit, I was like, oh, my God, that's an hour. I can't do this right now. And I came back to it later because I, I realized I really wanted to sit down and actually take in the message. So I came back to your um, TED Talk and I watched the whole thing. And I was absolutely taken into this mm -hmm. whole story and this whole idea of, bringing joy into grief and I was straight away like oh my god I need to connect with this lady and uh, you know just to share that with our audience we've been literally uh, messaging back and forth and been trying to arrange a time that would suit both of us and both of us got really busy schedules and then spontaneously one night which is like now I'm like okay perfect <laughs> and we just chatted for like I don't know I can't even remember 45 minutes an hour at least Mm -hmm. It was such a beautiful connection. So I'm really, really grateful for that. And mm -hmm. um, out of our chat and out of, you know, where I shared the idea with you that I just brought this hashtag up spiral into my group. Mm -hmm. Every time when somebody posted something really positive, 
I put this hashtag on. So when somebody came into the group and had a really bad day, they just need to put, um, you know, hashtag upspiral or the word upspiral in the search function. They find all this positivity that can help them. And out of that was born the idea to do a biweekly interview, uh, upspiral grief. And I thought it would be so humbling and honoring to bring you as my first guest into this. And uh, so, yeah, that is my little prep story, how we met, how we connected, how this whole idea came about. So I've got you to thank for. And uh, yeah, please launch into it. I'll hand it back to you and um, you can take it from there. Thank you. Well, I love that you're doing the up spiral because, and the idea that people can go to that hashtag to yeah. find some kind of connection to joy, positivity, yeah. being supported from other people, that there can be that um, experience, you know, yeah. within this, within so loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that actually is a good, a good starting off point in terms of how I came to be talking about these topics. Um, my life partner, Kate, who I had been with for almost eight years, um, love of my life, soulmate. She was diagnosed with cancer when um, let's say I was 39 mm-hmm. and she was 41 and she was diagnosed and then had died 12 weeks later. So that just kind of gives you the time span. So it wasn't a sudden death and yeah. it wasn't a lengthy diagnosis yeah. to death experience. Yeah. Um, because we had had certain spiritual experiences and a path together and also the laughter yoga work, which I did with her for many years, mm-hmm. I felt like that really supported me in many ways, but I still didn't know what would happen after she died and what my experience would be if, if I would not be able to get out of bed for months. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I honestly had no idea. Um, mm-hmm. And I was really open to that, mm-hmm. to experiencing whatever happened. So what happened for me, and there's many, many reasons for this, I believe, but I think a lot of them can be transferable to other people, is that after she had died, I I was in a fairly elated state for Mm -hmm. a while. And other people were saying things like, well, this is the hardest thing you've ever been through. This is really difficult for you. This must be horrible, Um, which wasn't true for me. And then also when I was experiencing joy, connection, gratitude, people would say, wow, you're, you're doing freakishly well. And they would mm-hmm. look at me with yeah. suspicion, honestly. And some friends yeah. would kind of lean in and say, how are you really doing? Yeah. Because they, they yeah. imagined that I was putting on some kind of, oh, I need to be cheerful and positive mm-hmm. about this. But my genuine experience was really a deep connection, which I'd love to talk more yeah. specifically about as we have I'd, a conversation. I'd love to, I'd love to actually, if you don't mind, uh, ask yeah. you about that right now, because, uh, you know, sure. for a lot of people watching this right now, uh, this might sound very, very unbelievable. And they're like, uh, how on earth? So what do you put it down to? What was your very personal experience to how could you experience that joy? What do you bring that down to? Was it your, was it the laughter yoga? Was it the preparation? Because Often people say to me, oh, you dealt with that so fast. And I can't believe how positive you were around that. And I said, well, for me, I put it down to having had like eight plus years of very, very intense uh, coaching experience, personal development. Mm-hmm. Everything I did and taught was around mindset and positivity and personal growth. So that to me was like preparing the soil that was very fertile and when you plant a seed in a fertile soil, it grows a lot faster than others. Nice. So what do you bring it down to why you were able to uh, turn towards joy rather than sinking in that 
feeling of sadness, bitterness, anger, whatever other people often experience around death. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, there were, I feel like there are lots of different factors. So mm-hmm. what happened for me is, you know, even when people said, well, someday, someday later in the in years in the future, then you'll actually feel it. Then you yeah. will spiral into grief. That you get a lot of that. That's denial. Exactly. It's denial. It's repression. There's those ideas. And I I honestly feel like this is important to say that for some people, that's really true, that it can be repressed or denial of the emotions or of the experience. And I invite people, you know, everyone knows themselves best. (laughs) So like, you know, yourself best, you know, what your experience is. And it comes down to that self-awareness is really key. And I love what you say about the self-development, because I do, I really believe that years of spiritual connection um different different techniques meditation but Mm -hmm. also at a really basic level the concept of gratitude Mm. and being able to not um not get stuck as best as i could so that's i feel like that is one of the things that laughter and laughing for no reason and teaching Mm -hmm. that learning that really did is there's a place where it allows us to just let go So I I tend to talk about willingness and choice and laughter has really taught me that because there's this place of, if I don't want to laugh, if I don't want to smile, it must mean I'm I'm holding on to something Mm -hmm. and I'm not willing to let it go even for a moment. But I found that if I can just let something go for 30 seconds, a minute, five minutes and say, you know, I'll get back to that challenging emotion later, Mm -hmm. which, you know, often then you don't do once you can kind of move through it. It gives people space and permission. And so mm. for me, um, that's, that's kind of the generality, but I think some of the unusual factors um, that people don't talk about, one would be the support that I had for Kate's soul experience, for lack mm. of a better word. And, mm. and I don't talk about this actually very often, mm. but it feels really significant today. Yeah. Um, I really, when she was diagnosed, we both knew that she would be, that she would die and it would not be a very long trajectory. There was this level of, um, I don't even know if I'd call it acceptance or if it would be acknowledgement that, okay, this is actually happening Mm -hmm. and we need to face this head on. And in that we had a similar um, worldview or belief system that this was her next step and that her next step meant leaving her physical body. Yeah. And I realized that, you know, many people who are listening to this, you may or may not have the same spiritual belief system. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's okay. But for me, that was really significant. It was almost as if she was going to a foreign country and we didn't have the internet and we didn't have mm-hmm. cell phones or any ways to yeah. communicate. Like she was mm-hmm. going to go somewhere else to do her next step. Um, but it was kind of an initiation or a graduation for her. Yeah. And it meant that I wouldn't be able to have physical contact with her anymore. Yeah. And I think I really, sorry to interrupt very quickly. Mm-hmm. I, I think I just want to highlight this because I, I feel that is such a beautiful way of seeing that. And, you know, as you said, all of us have got different spiritual beliefs and, uh, mm-hmm. and this is, this comes with no judgment to whatever people believe, yeah. but I'm absolutely with you on this. And I find this is so beautiful knowing mm-hmm that uh, leaving the physical body is not the end you know this is my absolute belief too and again you know whatever happens thereafter depends on everybody else's um 
spiritual beliefs, but I love the comparison that you say, you know, it's like she's going to another country where there is no internet and where I can't have physical contact with her. And um, I want to ask you that though, because for me, um, when I lost my dad, I was 20. So I, ha I didn't have that uh, background in self-development back then. And I, and I took it very, very differently. I took it really hard. And um, I took, it took me a long time, a lot longer uh, to deal with my dad's death back then because I, I didn't have that support. I didn't have the background. And uh, I felt very unsupported through this whole process. Mm. And I felt it was unfair and, uh, you know, I still needed him. And I went into all of that. Um, and one of the reasons why I found it so hard to deal with was because of exactly what you just said, that he was physically not around anymore. And I loved hugging him and I felt so safe when he hugged me and I so needed and wanted that. And so I know like we are adults now and it's very different how kids deal with that and how adults deal with that. I mean, I was 20, but I didn't really feel like an adult at 20, you know, like you're still in that in-between stage of like really growing up and having life experience. But now that we are talking from woman to woman who do have a lot of life experience, how did you cope with that fact? Um, again, everybody's different. Everybody's got different needs. My love language is a quality time of physical touch. I need that hugging. Mm -hmm. I need that. Um, so how did you deal with that knowing that that was to come? Because, yes, you do have the very strong spiritual connection, but there's also these physical needs where uh, you know that you have to prepare yourself for that not to be there anymore. And preparing ourselves and then dealing with it can often be a very, very different yes. Uh, understanding so I'd like to get that back to you and mm -hmm. tell us yeah a bit about that. and those are my yeah. same love languages actually the quality <laughs> time <and> touch. so, <laughs> so uh, so I understand what you're saying in terms yeah. of having that physicality yeah. around um I feel like it was a really deep level of trust and there mm. was such a deep love and that doesn't mean that it couldn't go differently for someone else. So again, to people who are watching, I'm just speaking yeah. from my own experience, but that the depth of the love was so proud of her yeah, and so proud of how she faced knowing that she was going to be transitioning you know, to a different form and out of her body. And yeah. um, that it continues to, I mean, even now it's like, I, I can't help but smile talking yeah. about her. I, I, I love feel when like, you call it a graduation. I'm like, that is so beautiful. Such a beautiful way of saying that, you know, yeah. seeing so, it. Thank you. So really yeah. it's for, I mean, one of the things I've come to cultivate for myself has been this idea of absence and presence. And I feel like mm -hmm. that's what you're touching on. Um, yeah. Is when I really looked for five, six, seven years, you know, I, I studied, I read, I wrote, I reflected, I did workshops mm -hmm. and retreats, and it really was exploring why wasn't I devastated? Like, what, what's almost like from a what's wrong with me? Why am I not <laughs> devastated? Is some, am I missing something here? Um, the connection has been this solid thread with Kate. Yeah. And I, I truly believe that connection can be the antidote for loss that if I'm in those moments of connection, even if they last seconds or mm -hmm. minutes, I cannot experience loss and connection at the same time because loss is that mm -hmm. perception of separation. Wow. wow and, I love that. And you I know, grief that. comes from the perception of the separation. So yes, I absolutely acknowledge that there's a physical loss. The person is physically not there. However, on the other level, I can find my way to connection and it doesn't have yeah. to be spiritual. It can be memories. It can be yeah. an essence. It can be the qualities. It can be me feeling so much joy when I 
think about her. Yeah. Now it's what's slippery, I think sometimes is when people say, well, well, I miss him, I miss her. Mm. And when I think about them, the presence, I think of their presence and then I get sad. Mm. It's really subtle, but it means that the focus is still on the absence of the physical. Yeah. So yeah. if we can just ask ourselves, or I ask myself, where is my focus? Those moments of, mm. okay, it's not here. I wish she was here to go to spend time at the ocean with me today, you know, yeah. whatever it is. It's like, if I focus on the absence and the fact that she's not there, I will go down a certain road yeah. of emotions, which is yeah. okay. Yeah. But my preference is to find the connection. And, um, and that's been that. a really deep so experience. Yeah. And that's where, to me, that's where that, that place of love is it comes mm. forth and it fills me. And yeah, honestly, there's a place where I can't even explain it. And so sometimes yeah. having these conversations, you know, I, I don't tend to go here typically, mm -hmm. but it feels important to do that with you. I love it. Thank you. Because I feel very honored that you share it with us. Yeah. There, yeah. There's, there's so much to say on that. I feel mm. like um, there's just many layers of what it yeah. looks like in my day-to-day -day yeah life. can I ask you something else around Please. that because I know we very very briefly mentioned that in our quick pre-chat that we had when we were trying to sort out our technical stuff um, and that was the question how people equate love to grief because I feel mm -hmm. that fits very well in what you just said you know do you want to talk about that a little bit Sure. Um, and this is a very, I, because grief is a tender, it's a very tender place, right? I yeah. mean, that's all of what we're, we're doing, wanting to support people and yeah. wanting to support each other in this process. And for me, as you know, there are many, um, whether it's quotes or cards or things in books or lectures people offer. And very, very often, um, the majority of the time, I have found that people say, the more you love someone, the more you grieve. Mm -hmm. And they say that because they really want to comfort someone and say, yeah. hey, look, you're, you're grieving because you love them so much. My experience is that love and grief are not a proportionate equation. Ooh. It's not a ratio. The more you love someone, the more you grieve. It's just simply not true because yeah. I can have this bursting amount of love and not experience sadness. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that amount of love for me has carried me through yes. because I, of that, I love that, because of yeah. that. So I, I, I find that what happens is that there's a societal expectation for us to, to grieve, which is, which makes sense. It makes sense yeah. that we would go through a process of responding to death that um, often can be heartache and sadness. Mm -hmm. But along with that expectation is that if we stay in the sadness and stay in the grief, it continues to show our love and offer us connection. Mm -hmm. So there's an idea that the more we love, the more we grieve. It almost means we'll stay in the grief, stay there because yeah. it shows your love. It's an example and illustrates how deeply yeah. you cared for this person. But what it actually does is it actually creates disconnection mm -hmm. in my experience. Yeah, because to connect with someone's essence, someone's spirit, however we look at that, no matter how we look at that. Yeah, I do feel like we need to have some kind of um, anything that it takes to find peace, connection, essence, their presence in our lives. Yeah. And that allows us to connect more easily, which allows us to experience less grief. I really mm -hmm. want to highlight that before we go any further, because I feel that is such an important point. You know, a lot of people when they stay 
in that grief and i'm saying i want i want to also clarify that i'm saying uh, in the grief in a way that they stay stuck in the sadness and in the uh the focus on the absence of that person uh they feel like or in their mind they're telling themselves that that's how they are honoring that person by staying there as long as possible and and you know different cultures celebrate that differently and and celebrates probably quite a wrong word for that or um, what's a better word for that live it differently really uh, or express it differently and there are cultures where you know women have to wear black for a whole year and uh, and uh, the gentlemen used to have like a button to you know showcase the loss that they had experienced and and some of the women chose to wear black for the rest of their lives and never ever look at somebody else again in their lives and that was all in the name of honoring the person that they have lost so for me, when we talk about how love equates to grief, I know that Rob and I had a few talks around what if something was to happen to us, you know, how would you, how would I? And both of us said, I would want you to find love again. I would want you, and that's not even talking particular about a new partner, about that as well. But it was in particular about, I want you to go out and live life and find yes. love and find joy and find happiness and be that for the boys because we've, got two boys that we want them to have a happy, a happy life and I felt like it would have almost been like a dishonoring Rob if I would have gone down like you know down spiral and stay stuck in anger bitterness sadness something like that I didn't I have to say I didn't even experience any sort of anger or any sort of um, why a lot of people said to me you must constantly ask yourself the question why and I always look at them and said no I never did and they were like, yeah, they were like completely taken back by my complete honest, no, I never did. And they're like, how come? And I said, well, my belief is, and I, again, I know everybody's belief is different, but my belief is a cut that deep when somebody that you're so close to gets just taken out of your life, doesn't happen without a huge purpose behind it. And yes. I believe I have found this huge purpose and that of course helps as well, but I didn't have that from day dot but I had this belief from day dot that it would happen for a good reason. And I'm not saying that in a lighthearted way. It's like, oh, everything happens for a reason. Oh, you know, that gives me a bit of a oh, shiver when people say that because it mm -hmm. kind of feels wrong when people say that to you as an explanation. But when you experience it like that and when you feel it like that, it really shifts something within you. Yeah. So, yeah. And honoring. I just, mm. Yeah, I just wanted to say it because you like, you know, Thank when you. a focus stays on the absence you really do create the disconnection. That's the complete opposite yes. of what you think that you're doing. And I really wanted to highlight that and throw my experience in there that I, I could not vouch for that more. You know, it's really, I'm mm. so glad you're sharing this. Thank you. I, I mean, I love how you put that in terms of honoring someone by bringing, yeah. by bringing love and life and vitality yeah. and joy into your life. And that doesn't mean, I mean, you know, you and I know it doesn't mean to push down other emotions. It means to keep oh. feeling those feelings, but to yeah. remember that they're waves and that we don't need to follow the feelings of heartache and sadness yeah. as a way to honor. In yeah. fact, we need to do our best, I believe, to find a way back into life. Hmm. And for me, it wasn't even a back into, and it sounds like for you, maybe not so much either, because you were able to maintain that with your self-development practices mm. and perspective yeah. on death, perspective on life. Yeah. But I absolutely believe that loved ones who have died want us to have a zest for life yes. and want us to absolutely live, yeah, to live fully. 
So, yeah. it, so if we can shift that idea or at least question it, at least have the conversation with one another and say, yeah. hey, can we consider how it's not dishonoring, it's actually honoring and how we don't want to push against ourselves or each other, but we yeah. do want to be able to step forward to upspiral, right? Yeah. <laughs> we want to be able to upspiral <laughs> as an honoring, as an yeah. honoring of people who are no longer here in the physical. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love that idea, you know, of honoring the beautiful vision that we had, that if something was to happen, that we continue life with joy and with love and, and happiness and yeah. really have that because that is what we always wanted for ourselves and the boys. Mm -hmm. And I really believe I'm living that. And uh, mm -hmm. also like receiving that feedback from my boys of how I dealt with it. It's just really beautiful and is the proof that it obviously does work and it's obviously what they need as well. And uh, it is such a relief to allow yourself that as well. You know, it's, yes. it's a huge concept for me. That's the most profound concept in, mm -hmm. in grief to get to this space of allowing and understand that for some, it might take years and decades and for others that takes seconds, you know, everybody's got their own speed yes. and I believe that it must be okay to allow ourselves and I did not always experience joy and happiness all the time mm -hmm. I had moments where I was sobbing but it mm -hmm. felt good and it felt like a release and then I went back to smiling and laughing and that was okay too I I just want to encourage people to not live up to the expectations that society puts onto them because they're all labels you know you need to do this or you should do that it doesn't feel right. I want to encourage people to like really follow their heart. And when they feel like laughing, don't laugh. And when you feel like mm -hmm. crying, then do that too. For me, it's more the idea of not staying stuck in a heavy and negative yes. emotion too long. Uh, but when they do come, allow them in, allow them to, to be lived and experienced, but then also to, you know, move on or move back to happiness. It's, it's all part of life. Right. So yeah. That whole balance that I feel needs to be a balance. lot healthier. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like the, what you describe as the sobbing or the, it's, it's a visceral movement yeah. of emotions. And yeah. there've been different studies done that look at how long emotions last in our bodies, the actual mm -hmm. biochemical surge of emotions. And I do believe yeah. sometimes it's, it comes out of nowhere or maybe mm -hmm. it, you see something and, yeah. or think of something and it reminds you Music. of the absence of someone <laughs> and it comes yeah. in. Mm. but that that's still part of the adapting and yeah. that doesn't have to last very long. I think yeah. it's really important to allow that somatic experience, exactly. but then it's, it's where do our thoughts go after? And I think our yeah. tendency is to start exactly. thinking about the absence of the person, like thinking mm -hmm. about how they're not here. And we then build upon what really could just be a simple release. Yeah. Um, but we, we create, more challenges and suffering for ourselves i think if mm. we follow the thoughts so so whatever techniques i mean there's many different ways to do it but that people can find to be more aware of their thoughts yeah and be more aware of what's underneath yeah. the surface of of the subtleties of belief systems yeah um, and find connection and you know whether that's being out in nature whether that's playing music doing yoga i mean what, whatever yeah. it takes to to not be stuck as you say yeah and to clear yeah, it's like the thoughts are, I really, yeah, it, it's one of the things that I constantly remind people of and that I constantly use in my teachings as well, that our thoughts are so crazily powerful, you know, and they can absolutely destroy us or absolutely uplift us, you know, it depends on 
where we allow them to go. And I'm not saying you always have to think positive. You always have to. It's unrealistic. We will have thoughts that come up that are negative or that could bring in fears. Yet it is all about the way we respond to them and we uh, look at them because they can, for me, Mm. the best way to deal with that is using them as teachers. So when a negative thought comes in, I don't try to push it down. I don't try to completely fall into it. Sometimes I do. I'm only human. You know, that happens. But for me, the healthiest approach would be to go like, okay, you are here. What are you trying to teach me? There's always a lesson in that. There's always a message when a negative thought comes up that might be a warning, that might be even a reflection. We might feel a fear and then realize, oh, that was that was not even mine. That was a reflection right. that I took right. on board. So really being a bit more um, observant with the thoughts when they come in. And, and that's probably... Um, the best way to put it because that's what we are taught in yoga you know like uh, or in meditation I should say not so much in well yoga maybe as well but mm-hmm. it, it's from the meditation when, when a thought comes in just observe it and let it go past mm-hmm. you don't have to hold on to it you don't have to own it you don't have to make it yours yes. but like just looking at what's your message for me you know and I, I believe that again is, is coming back to a space of allowing just allow it to come in look at it and not every guest that comes into your house is somebody that you want to move in, you know, (laughs) so just look at them, observe them and be okay with letting them go if you don't want them to stay. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think the curiosity too, just having both curiosity for ourselves and what we're experiencing and approaching like, huh, this is interesting or the thought that goes by and being curious and about other people too, because then it gives us that room, the permission for people to, respond to death however they do respond to death and that may or may not mean that they're experiencing grief and sadness so it's it's that kind of um room i'd like to see people create more um, in various ways hey this is just a quick break if you're enjoying this podcast think of one person that you'd love to share this with thank you I'd like to go back to your TED talk as well, because that really, really inspired me. And actually, by the way, if you don't mind, I would love uh, for you to put a link off your TED talk into the comment section, because we love streaming that into the group Mm -hmm. at the moment. So for people who haven't found it in the group, um, you can either go and um, put Jennifer Matthews in a a search function or just make it easier for them. We can put the link off your TED talk in the comment section after this interview because I absolutely loved it and I'd love to ask you um do you mind sharing what the reactions were from people I guess there there would have been Mm -hmm. positive negative reactions all of the above people might have been shocked people might have been oh finally somebody's talking about it uh what what were you faced with when you when you went through this experience of doing the TED talk It was definitely somewhat of a mix. Um, And just first so that people know, the name of the TED Talk is Death is Inevitable, Grief is Not. Mm -hmm. So just the title of that, the idea that death is inevitable, we know that grief is not. Whoa, hold on a second. I mean, that's, and I I was really intentional about choosing that um, so that people could be aware before watching that that was the perspective I was sharing. Mm -hmm. Um, The initial, the response at the actual live TED talk was very positive. There were many people who came up afterwards and said, you know, I felt when my mom died 20 years ago, I actually felt fine and was happy and Mm. felt connected to her. Mm. And I felt guilty for the past two decades. 
Wow. And I thought something was wrong with me, which is exactly what that was the reason. That was the reason why I wanted to get this message out there because mm -hmm. I know there are a lot of people, I imagine, um, yeah. at least enough people yeah. who struggle with that feeling guilty because they're not actually feeling sad or that they're not yeah. um, experiencing grief in the way that society would yeah. expect them to. So, so through that process, even though there was that positive response, um, it took Ted a, a bit of time to upload the talk. And this was mm -hmm. a local TEDx Ashland talk in Oregon mm -hmm. because um, I get, it was under review. Mm -hmm. And I don't actually know the details of that, except that they ended up actually putting um, what I would call a disclaimer on the talk with a concern <laughs> that my perspective may be, um, I can't think of the second word, but distressing offensive. or okay. um, wasn't offensive, objectionable or uh, okay. distressing. Yeah. Now, if people watch the talk, they'll find out that it is all about finding our way to joy, connection and gratitude. Mm. And the main message is that there are many ways to respond to death and grief yeah. is only one of them. Yeah. So most people I've, I've had very positive feedback that most people feel relief. Mm. They tend to feel that this gives them the kind of space they need mm. to be themselves and to yeah. experience the whole range instead of, instead of people feeling like, Oh, this means that you don't want me to feel sadness and heartache. Mm. People have really understood that it means I want people to experience what they do and not feel like it's wrong to be happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, and then there has been some on the other end where, where people feel um, possibly invalidated because mm -hmm. as if I'm saying, you don't, don't experience grief, you shouldn't experience grief. And that's not what I'm saying. I mean, that's, yeah. I think that's um, a natural place again with this tenderness because when mm -hmm. people are in pain and, and struggling and suffering with the death of someone they love, um, and they don't see a way out or they feel like, well, doesn't that invalidate my pain? And I'm, I'm yeah. here to say, no, it doesn't invalidate your, your pain or your sadness. Yeah. But it is true that there are tools and there are perspectives and practices we can have that can make it easier for us. And I really yeah. believe that. And that, yeah. that is what the, the last part of my TED talk um, is about, yeah. is that experience and the research that's out there that really shows Oh, okay. What, what I experienced isn't just solo and isolated. There are mm -hmm. actually people out there who yes. have navigated this in a similar yeah, way. So like beautiful. Yourself. Yeah. What you've provided with this TED talk is really beautiful because again, it comes back to the space of allowing, allowing joy to happen as well as happiness and, and all of the above for me. Um, I did quite a confronting comparison around that once, you know, when I said, mm -hmm. uh, so imagine that you walk onto a field of wounded soldiers you know they're lying everywhere there's blood everywhere they're in so much pain and then somebody would walk through and say uh oh you know that's that's gonna hurt forever oh there's nothing you can do about that that wound will stay open forever you know that it's gonna be bleeding forever and you know it's gonna last and um people would shake you and ask you whether you're out of your mind because they're like, why don't you put some dressing on that? Why don't you rinse this wound? Why don't you, uh, you know, stitch up that gushing blood wound? I know it's very confronting and it's full on, but I needed to do this for people to understand what they are actually doing on a daily basis when it comes to grieving people. So somehow society decided that it's absolutely acceptable to do exactly that when you're grieving 
and you walk around and say things like, oh, you know, you'll always miss him or that'll always hurt. You'll never get over that. There'll always be a hole in your heart. Comments like that are absolutely socially acceptable and are constantly yes. spread around like confetti in yep. various grief support groups. And I don't agree with that. I just can't yeah. understand how people can do that and everybody thinks that's okay. Because if that would happen with a physical wound, you'd, you'd get sued, you know? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. seriously. Well, service. I, and, I, and I listened to when you, when you did your video about that, um, about that. saying, yeah, like yeah. just that it's one thing, you know, when people say get over it, yeah. the other end of it is people saying you'll never get over it. And exactly. I was so um, really touched. Yes, really touched and excited that you brought that up because it's another oh, piece you. people aren't talking about yeah. to say it's 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 not true. You will never get over this. It's yeah. not true. And it's, it's almost it's like the idea of not allowing again. it. Yeah. Well, I, I do feel like it's as people can as we can learn to distinguish between our the connection and the loss or have mm. that built, whatever it takes to find our way to connection. I do believe we'll see more and more that grief yeah. and love do not yeah. have to be married. Yeah. No, it, it, grief does not have to be the glue that connects you to the person yeah. you love. Joy oh, love can be that. the glue. Peace can yes. be the glue. I mean, yes. so many things can be what connect you. Um, and I think that's what you're speaking to. I think there is that holding on yeah. that happens. And the only way to get at it to me is to speak out loud and bust these myths, because mm -hmm. if we don't actually speak it and say, hey, this is a message we've been given. Let's examine it. Let's look yeah. at it. Is it is it true? Yeah. Is it really true? Yeah. Is it really we true? Don't, exactly. we, then we can't claim question. that power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I uh, also like on that note would love to raise the topic of labeling a little bit because that is something that happens a lot you know that that is to me is classified as labeling when you say you'll never get over it it's like putting an expectation on someone uh, that almost validates what they might be fearing at that moment you know how will I ever get past that and then somebody rocks up and goes like oh you'll never get over it I was like oh yeah okay then it's normal what I feel and they stay in that and it's, you know, I, I call it classified as labeling when you tell someone it's never going to be like that or it's always going to be like that. And then people stay in that because they get validated in their fear of, oh, my God, what, what do I do with that? And I believe that we need to bring back the concept of choices. And in particular, mm -hmm. when it comes to that, um, that grief, that tenderness mm -hmm. that we experience where we can feel so disempowered for some that it's like a huge uh, process of feeling disempowered, feeling that mm -hmm. there's nothing I can do. I've been completely robbed of my ability to choose anything because obviously mm -hmm. I did not choose yeah. for Rob to die. But I made a huge point about that. And I actually shared that at Rob's eulogy. There was like 500 plus mm -hmm. people in the audience. And I shared a message about choices. And Rob was the one who taught me the concept of two choices, mm -hmm. or, you know, initially, even way before I started my coaching journey. And I felt it was the perfect moment to share it there and then because people were in such space of tenderness and hurt mm -hmm. and grief that I said, you know, we do have the choice how we respond to that. And I knew there and then, and I shared that in front of everyone, that my choice would be love over sadness and happiness over bitterness, that I needed to choose that quite um, deliberately for me and the boys to move forward and to honour him and to honour the life and the love that we had together 
and keep that alive, keep that joy, keep that spirit uh, in our hearts. And people were absolutely blown away by that message because they did not expect to hear that at the eulogy. Mm -hmm. And I was really, I was standing there and I could feel, I could literally feel Rob standing behind me mm -hmm. and how proud mm -hmm. he would be for me to share that mm -hmm. message because I felt everybody needed to hear that. And um, yeah. yeah, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on labeling and and choices around that because it's two quite big topics when it comes to grief mm -hmm. and how we deal with that. I think again, what you're talking about is being um, trusting of each other and not being yeah. suspicious. I think the labeling yeah. comes out of a, a, a kind of judgment of, mm -hmm. well, you can't, you can't not feel that way or you must be bypassing, you must be repressing your feelings and yeah. bypassing yeah. them. But where, how can we get to the honest, real, deep, raw conversations? And if your experience is that and is true, yeah. then we need to believe you. Um, so, yeah. I mean, this is in terms of labeling, I, I feel like one of the biggest labels is that death is a horrible and awful thing mm. that we as humans are labeling instead of seeing death as neutral. It doesn't mm. mean that the circumstances can't be tragic yeah. and really difficult and painful to move through. But death yeah. itself, every single one of us is going to die. Yeah. And we know that. But then we label that death is bad. Mm. And, and to me, that's the ultimate label. If we can get mm. through that part and say, wow, okay, death is a part of life. It's part mm. of the life cycle. We usually don't have control over it on a physical mm. level, like you had mentioned um, with yeah. your husband. However, uh, there's another level where it, it's, the the years and this is I, I'm I'm I know this is treading on lightly here but how many years we have yeah I know there's a place of when people die young or when children die it's extremely yeah. can be very painful and difficult because we want we want them in our lives we want to experience yeah. them we want that to carry forward and we feel like we're missing out um, on something and that they're missing out on something mm. being in this earthly world yeah. And at the same time, I do feel like there's that place of people die when they die. Yeah. We can't explain it. It's a great mystery. We can all have different belief systems about it, but the truth yeah. is it happens and we can't change it. Yeah. So when we label the response to that, when we say, okay, when someone dies, the only way you can deal with it is to be sad about it. Mm that's the umbrella piece I feel like you're talking yeah. about and every yeah. other label yeah. falls under it, which, which is Absolutely. why a lot of what I like to talk about is yeah. can we shift the language of grief? Can we stop mm. saying, how's your grieving or someone's grieving, or mm. this is your, we all grieve differently. I would say, no, we all respond to death differently yeah. Yeah. and grief itself is a label. So the more and more we can, we can use language. Oh, it's so true. Grief itself is a label. Yeah. Grief it itself is. is a label. Yeah. So, yeah. so can we I get past about that? It that way. Thank you. <laughs> and, that, and, and I do hope that people, you know, language forms, and that's where I think you have a particular awareness of labels. Mm. Labels form our experience. Yeah. So if you say to someone, you're never going to get over this, that label yeah. just will shape someone's experience yeah. or influence it or confuse them yeah. or whatever that does. Yeah. Uh, let's do our best to have awareness and mm. make choices that support one another in the broadest possible way Yeah, as to be who we are, to experience what we experience and yeah. to be happy. I mean, ultimately, you know, people ask, well, why, what difference does it make to me what other people go through? Well, yeah. 
I want people to suffer less. I want to bring yeah. light and joy into the yeah. world. It's, it's really simple. And that doesn't mean I have a judgment about their challenges or, yeah. or about someone's suffering, but I know how it can be. Mm. And I want people to be able to experience yeah. that joy yeah. and connection yeah. because honestly, it's, it's my preference. I prefer to feel that lightness and gratitude yeah. over feeling heartache and sadness. Yeah. I think everybody does. It's just a matter of um, how they get to that because the natural state is people do prefer to be happy than, uh, and again, I think we need to uh, get this out of our minds that uh, it is such a false belief set that when we grieve and when we stay in the suffering that we therefore honor our loved ones that have passed mm-hmm. or therefore keep the connection to our loved ones. And I, I've heard that over and over again. Mm-hmm. And with a lot of respect to the people that are in my group, uh, that they actually mention exactly that. I feel like when I let go of that, then I let go of the last piece that I have of my husband or my child or uh, whoever the loved one is that has passed. And it's actually couldn't be further from the truth. So I really want to highlight what you said earlier on this whole when we focus on the connection rather than on the absence this is when we actually honor them this is when we actually feel and stay connected to the loved one longer when we talk about the beautiful memories when we talk about the quirky things they said or did you know Mm -hmm. that really keeps them alive in our memories and keeps that connection that feeling of connection uh going and also you know i know um, I had a really, really beautiful talk to one of the people in this group here um, who has lost a husband and then remarried and mm. unfortunately lost her second husband too. So it was really quite an intense experience for her. And obviously it brought up a lot more, but um, also um, allowing that when there is a next chapter that it is not taken as dishonoring the previous mm-hmm. chapter or it's not taken as mm-hmm. oh you've moved on too quickly or you know this this is not right I believe we know when it's right when there's a new person coming into our life and that it's okay to still have love for this person and still have the memories and the connection but also being okay with there is a new chapter it doesn't disqualify or dis devalue sorry that's the word um the mm-hmm. previous chapter in my life and uh I've just felt like that was a really important one to mm-hmm. say as well because there's a lot of judgment around that too and it does yeah. and again I, I think it comes back to knowing ourselves because one yeah. person may um, go right into another relationship mm-hmm. because they truly are very spacious and they have yeah. a lot of love for the partner who had died but they go mm-hmm. into something else because they, their heart is that open and they actually are ready. Another person yeah. may go into something because their need of companionship or security mm-hmm. or whatever that unfulfilled need is yeah. in them. It's really great. And so they do go in possibly for uh, a reason that is to create some kind of healing or they're, they're maybe not yeah. as yeah. ready in that way. Yeah. So it comes back to knowing ourselves and being yeah. really aware of what, what's, what are my intentions? Am I really aligned? Yeah in my choices in my life. Um, and that can come, that can be about being with another partner or that could be about someone who stopped playing music because they yeah. felt really sad and they're playing yeah. music again. It's like, what's aligned yeah. Yeah. inside of us. 
Yeah. And meanwhile, while connecting or what I like to call it, that which never dies, like what is that which never dies yeah. about the person that we loved who mm, is no longer that. physically with us? I and that doesn't it. have to be a spiritual connotation. It can be, but there's so much that never dies, right? That you're yeah. speaking of the, yeah. the, the memories, the, the qualities, the characteristics, the way people impact our lives. I mean, there's mm. no way Kate will always be a part of my life hundred mm. percent because I am who I am today because of her. Yeah. Just like I am mm -hmm. who I am because of many interactions I've had, yeah. but she played a particularly yeah. significant role. Yeah. So, so how do I remember that, which never dies. And mm. meanwhile, continue to live my life as fully <laughs> and authentically as, as possible. Yeah. That is really beautiful. I remember, you know, when you said, uh, start playing music again, that is one part that I've actually shared in my book. Um, I, it, it was a moment where I was standing in a kitchen and I used to sing a lot. I used to sing all the time. For me, singing was a sign of being happy. And uh, the boys commented a lot on that. It's was like, mom, do you have to sing everything? I'm like, yeah, I do. And it's just, you know, I would hear a, a sentence that reminds me of a song and I would just sing it or I would make a sentence into a song. And I remember that very first moment after Rob died where I was standing in a kitchen and all of a sudden, um, I had this song Lovers in the Air in my head that I used to sing a lot and I started singing it and my, my voice was so weak and I was just so, mm. I felt so deflated when I sang it and then I realised what was going on and I was like, I really literally put myself together and I sang it and I was like, mm. I know it wasn't like the usual joy and spark that came through but it was like something got ignited there again that wasn't mm. there before and that was completely, I thought, that flame had gone, but it got reignited and it felt really good. And slowly but surely that all came back into my life and I'm singing again. And it's just really beautiful to actually consciously feel that and, and going through this process of, oh, what was happening there? Oh my God. Yeah. That had disappeared out of my life. And I actually really like that part in my life and I can bring that back. Mm. And um, it's not like a flick the switch thing. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like Rob died and I flick the switch. I'm like, okay bring happiness back into my life it's not like that but it's like mm. all those tiny little choices that I want people to realize that we actually do have how we respond to it because there is such feeling of disempowerment that can happen when we lose someone where we feel we are we've got no say and is no power but then going back to realizing all the little choices and all the little uh, empowering moments that we do have where we do have a choice how we respond to it what we do mm -hmm. how we move through this um, I think that's exactly it once we start asking ourselves mm -hmm. how rather than if then we'll come back into solution mode and really find those answers mm -hmm. if we open up to that yes yeah. yes and it will be different for everyone I mean I, do, yes. I really do believe that and that it's a mm -hmm. it's a responsible thing to say okay well we're all going to deal with this yeah. differently and people who um, have certain personalities or temperaments or backgrounds may find it more easeful or more difficult to work yeah. through because of many not you know these external factors in our lives but also all the internal factors too and and that's true and that's real but it's the how like you just said it's the yeah. how not if mm. and um, what choices that we can yeah. make and how we support each other in doing that yeah yeah Mm. I also love this. I, I 
got so many beautiful little golden nuggets from you today and uh, I can't believe we've actually gone through a whole hour already mm-hmm. um, what I would like to suggest Jennifer is like when we finish this interview I'd really love for both of us to go through the comments because while I'm here mm-hmm. on Zoom with, we, with you and we live streaming I can't actually read the comments so once we finish this interview I promise we'll both go back we'll, we'll see Definitely. whether there were any questions or comments from you um, I also asked Jennifer to share her TED talk for those of you who have missed that part Jennifer did a really really beautiful TED talk with the title um, death is inevitable grief is optional is that right or grief is um, not? death is inevitable grief is not yep. yes mm-hmm. and uh, I really really loved the TED talk that actually was the whole beginning of how I needed to connect with Jennifer I saw her TED talk and I thought I really want to talk to this woman and I'm so stoked Mm. that I brought you to our group today and that we recorded this interview and we can share it uh, with the world because I truly believe that the world needs to hear this message about the positivity Mm. and the the really beautiful options that we do have how we respond to grief and that we don't need to bend down under all these labels and expectations of society. I'll bring it back to you, Jennifer. Thank you so mm. much for your time, for your wisdom, for your beautiful words and joy mm-hmm. that you shared with us. Are there any final words that you would like Thank to share you. before we conclude this interview? Well, I love what you're doing. So thank you for that thank and you. your work in the world. And um, I, I really do encourage you and others to, to use that language of how we respond to death mm. rather than say how we grieve and that we grieve differently, yeah. but to say that we respond to death differently. Yeah, I truly believe the ripple effect of, of using that in a, a, to me, it's a more accurate way that gives all of us the room that we need to have our experience, yeah. that it will make a really significant difference. So, so that's, I think my final words are to encourage, encourage folks to um, use the language of responding to death. Mm. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that. And uh, sending a whole lot of love your way and uh, thank you everyone for joining us and uh, we'll get back to your comments and questions in a little while. Have yes, a please day. make comments and questions. I'm very happy to respond as well. Yes. So thank you. Thank you. All right. Be Have well. a beautiful day. Have a good night wherever you are in this world. This is Jennifer Matthews and Marie Alessi signing off. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show and you would like to find out more about loving life after loss, please visit mariealessi.com. I shall see you next week. Bye.